It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway, a Kyrie when he make a trade, and nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you got a repeat. So in depth they might do an hour about the D League. So in depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen after every game is very important, Millie. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you for making us part of your daily routine, and wow, what a way to start the week. It's Monday, a Monday show. You're probably listening to this on Sunday night, but either way, a 108-83 Game 1 thrashing of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Celtics just came out big, destroyed the Cavs in the first quarter, 36-18, didn't really let up in the second quarter, and just held on to that lead pretty much throughout the rest of the game, minus a little bit of a run. Uh, they, the, the Celtics pulled off this plan. They they kept LeBron in check. He had his worst game of the playoffs, maybe one of the worst games of his career. Meanwhile, Al Horford was awesome. Marcus Morris, what one hell of a game. Jalen Brown was awesome. Uh, just so much to get to. I am joined, as always, by my post-game partner, Sam Jam Packard. He is the uh, Celtics beat writer of the Springfield Shopper. I am John Corrales of the uh, Boston.com variety and RedsArmy.com and all that other stuff. That's where you find our stuff. So, Sam, we saw this coming exactly, right? This is exactly how we thought it would go. Yeah, I know. I just assumed the entire time that LeBron James would come in and just play the worst game of his career uh, in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, I thought the Celtics would have a chance. I and I knew the Cavs would be pretty bad defensively, but I did not expect them to completely not show up, especially in the first half. And maybe that's time off. Maybe that's an early afternoon game and rust. But the Celtics scored more points in the first quarter than the Cavs did in the entire first half, uh, which is just I didn't think it was going to be that good. I I know the Celtics have the best defense in the league, and they've had that for the entire season. Uh, but they were phenomenal in the first half. Um, active hands, getting deflections, getting into the body of the Cavaliers players. Um, they were just great uh, on the defensive end of the court. And, of course, that led to them being great on the offensive uh, end of the court. Um, it was just kind of shocking. You, I sat back at, like, halftime and was just kind of confused about what was going on. <laughs> and it was just like, what? how are they up by this much? And where is this LeBron James fellow that I've been worrying about for the past week? Um, it was just, he wasn't, he wasn't good. He wasn't aggressive. And the, the Celtics did a really good job of running the damn Cavs off the three point line. This is something the Celtics have done well, uh, ever since Brad Stevens was, uh, been the coach. They, I feel like they've led the league in, uh, opponents three point percentage, but, and we've seen it be a really point of emphasis, especially in the, in the 76ers series, but I thought they did a real good job of it tonight and they were closing out hard and the Cavs, they, had, they missed some open shots. I'll, I'll give that to them. They were what, like oh, started the game 0 of 12 or something from deep. But the, they 
didn't have there was never a rhythm for the Cavaliers offensively and with the Celtics uh they got deflections they got tips and they seemed like they were playing with a, a pretty they were scoring pretty easily in the first half and just doing their best to attack um mismatches and it really felt like no matter who the Cavs ran out there the Celtics could find a guy they could attack and especially with their smaller lineup starting with Morris they have five guys on the court who can attack off the dribble and really get their own shot and so early in this game it was just a bunch of it was ISO v. ISO. You, I think you had a good tweet about it. Just like, oh, the modern NBA, just isolation trip after isolation trip. But that was what it was, and it was really working for the um, for the Celtics, uh, actually on both ends. They were doing a great job of defending. Uh, you think there would be mismatches. The, the, the Cavs were eager to get the ball to Kevin Love against Jalen Brown, and Jalen Brown just swatted the shit out of it. And on the other end of the court, anytime it felt like Jalen Brown was in the post or Al Horford was in the post or Mark, Marcus Morris, the Cavs just didn't help at all like the, the the Celtics would make one move and kind of be not uncontested there's still a guy covering them but still just like easy moves to the basket and so it was it was damn impressive it was I, I'm still kind of in shock because it wasn't I thought the Celtics would uh, would win because I thought they would uh, they're playing so well at home but I didn't think it'd be an ass kicking no they they came out with just ferocity they were they were high high energy and the Cavs just Look shocked, shocked at. I think after coming off of not just not just the rest, but they came off of a series where they played they played the the Raptors who just didn't give them anything like the Celtics gave them today. Like there was not once in that series that they faced what they faced in, in this one, and they I think they got a little shocked at, at the beginning. So it started out like you said there were just a bunch of post ups all over the place, which is when I made that tweet. Like everybody's posting up. It's it. The post-up has fallen so far out of favor, but the the Cavs surprised me by trying to get Kevin Love. They they ran a pick and roll and just to get the switch and to get Kevin Love into the post so he can work. And it, he hit a, a couple early, but it never it never had the intended effect of getting him going. So posting up against the Celtics is what they want you to do yeah. like that. They will invite like post ups against even if he gets some mismatches, because one, I think they're comfortable with their smaller guys guarding. But two, they just know that's not the most efficient offense. Yeah. And but meanwhile, the Celtics were posting up like crazy on the other side. But the difference is that when Al Horford was posting up Kevin Love, he'd he'd make his jab steps, find find the time, find the way he wanted to go and. and never really got 100% effort defensively. And that's really where the, the Celtics made made their big run was because the Cavaliers are just really horrible defensively. Those guys on the perimeter are getting blown by. You don't even need picks. They just You just let the guards blow by the the defender and get into the, get into the paint. And from there, it was either layups or drive and kick or, or something, but every time the ball got into the paint, great things happened. And Brad Stevens afterwards at the podium made sure to talk about the importance of getting those paint touches. We always want to have paint threats that lead to layups, free throws, or threes. And, um, you know, sometimes we get those, sometimes we don't, but that's always, you know, what we'd like, whether it's off the drive, the post, rolls, transition, whatever it's off. We just want to constantly. You know, in an ideal world, that's where we start on September 26th in our first meeting, saying, you know, we want to attack the paint. So that doesn't really change night to night. Um, 
you know, I thought our guys played with a, a good aggression tonight. Going to have to play better Tuesday. That's just good offense for the Celtics. That that's the it's fundamental stuff. The ball touches the paint. It gets in there somehow. Somehow you drive, like Brad said, sometimes it's on the roll, sometimes it's a drive, sometimes it's a post. But when the ball gets down there, it has gravity. People are attracted to it, and then you can kick out and find guys for three. And you could see there are a couple of, a couple of plays in that massive run where the Celtics, I think, got a little carried away. Like Terry Rozier had one play where he was faking and juking, and I think he got a little caught up in the moment. And uh, Jalen Brown fired a three that Brad Stevens just hated. You could see his reaction on the bench, but because it it was out of it was out of character, out of it was not born out of any of the success that 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 getting the ball into the paint. So for the Celtics, that to me is just going to be there. All the time, and I was so afraid to tweet this today, Sam, because I, I really couldn't see how the the Cavs were going to come back. I didn't want to jinx it. I didn't want to invite that <laughs> reaction from people. But when they were giving up such easy trips into the paint, that I don't know how you can you can go down that big and then come back because part of a comeback is stops. And I just don't see how this Cavs team. It's going to get stops. I don't know what the adjustment is that's going to get the Celtics to not beat their guards on the perimeter every day. Yeah, it seems like the Cavs have never heard of a rotation in their life or like second effort. Once the once the Cav- or Celtics got into the paint and made one pass, like it didn't even feel, feel like the Celtics ball movement needed to be that good. They just needed to get in the paint and make one pass uh, like and there was an open shot for, there for them. It didn't feel like they had to kick it around the, the perimeter at all. And that was like a difference between the Cavs and the Celtics. I thought the Celtics did a damn good job of picking up like uh, switches and pick and rolls, and then rotating out and really closing out hard. And the Cavs, I don't think so. I don't think I saw them close out once tonight. It's every time there's an Al Horford pick and pop, um, the Cavs would blitz uh, the ball handler immediately, and then just not have a guy from like the weak side try and get the Al Horford. It's just there's just a lot of open shots there for the Celtics, whether they be. Um, at the three-point line, are just there were a lot of layups, especially in that first quarter. So I don't know if it's just more effort on the Cavs' end, but at this point, we've seen them be a pretty shitty playoff or defensive team in the regular season. And the thing about the Raptors series is, even though they dominated the Raptors, that was more of like a the Raptors still got points, like they still scored pretty well against the Cavs because the Cavs' defense is bad, and so. The, the formula for the Cavs winning the series is winning a game like 130 to 120. Like they really need to have it be a track meet and get the, get the points flowing. And if the, the Celtics defense is going to be this good, then I think they're in wonderful shape. Uh, because you're right. The Cavs defense is atrocious. It was just, it was comical. There was just so many times where it was just open shots and it just felt like the, the Cavs either were watching or just, uh, not making that effort to get out on open shooters. And it was, it was kind of absurd. Yeah. Al Horford took a wonderful advantage of this whole thing. First of all, Al Horford, because of this blowout only played 27 and a half minutes, which is amazing. Amazing. Because this is, this is the time you play 40 minutes in a playoff game and to have him get rest and not play the entire fourth quarter. Beautiful. Love it. Uh, But the thing about what you're talking about, the way they, the lack of reaction is by the time they do react and do something, now they're so out of control that 
Horford especially, but everybody can attack the closeout and just leave those guys in the dust. And he did. There was a one like session in the in the first quarter where they didn't guard him at all on a pick and pop, and he knocked down a three. They did the same thing next possession, and you're you're right. Kevin Love comes flying at him, and he just did a one little pump fake and immediately beat him to the basket. And so you're absolutely like that was, def- that was something I was just looking at in my notes as you were talking about it. But they've their inability to rotate causes then when they actually do try it to be just terrible. Yeah. So that's that's going to be a problem for the Cavaliers uh, again. I don't expect this to be the case. Now, I picked the Celtics to win this series, and obviously a lot of people gave me shit for it, but I I think the Celtics can win this series. I think they can win a game in Cleveland. I, I thought it was going to be Celtics in six. I, I don't want to overreact to this. In fact, let's play this sound from Brad Stevens because he talks uh, he kind of touches on the whole uh, just the way that the game, the runs of the game, but I think it applies to – game two and moving forward these leads ebb and flow a little bit and they're going to have runs we're going to have runs so just stay the course do what we need to do play the way that we play best we you know the morris um rebound and dunk to start the fourth was a good way to set the tone for the quarter and um you know again i think having the poise to say they're going to make some runs they're going to make some plays just just focus on the next one is is going to be important um, the rest of the way, it's you know it's something that I think we didn't play as well with last year, um, and hopefully we can um, play a little bit better when they do go on their runs. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. So for the Celtics, they don't, it's, it's almost a bad, I don't want to say it's bad to blow a team out, but there's, there is a downside to it that they felt like so much of this stuff came easy tonight. A lot of it came easy. Um, I'm a little bit afraid of them thinking it's all going to come easy again. Because even in that game, they had some stretches there. Uh, even in the third quarter, uh, 
when that lead got down to 14, it was, I think, just uh, the speed was different. The intensity was different on the Celtics' part. I don't know what the Cavaliers are going to do to adjust to the Celtics, but I am afraid that the Celtics are going to play down a little bit if they're not careful, and that is what's going to be what gets uh, some of their shooters going, and it's going to allow this game to be closer than it should be because I do think the Celtics have advantages if they are willing to press those advantages and really work hard to exploit those. Well, you, the the third quarter is what Brad Stevens should show them uh, if they're thinking like like I guess too highly of himself. That's when the Cavaliers won that quarter, twenty nine to seventeen. They cut it to fourteen. Um, they actually started making some three point shots, which was a novel strategy by them. Um, but I thought that's that's when the Celtics' offense kind of uh, got stagnant. I thought this, the the Cavs came out and played a little bit better on the defensive end and forced the Celtics into some tougher shots. Um, Horford missed two threes and they're in that quarter. The Celtics just weren't as crisp offensively or, or defensively. Um, but that's the kind of the benefit when you go up by 26 in the first half is that you can, you can lose the third quarter. But I think the, the Cavs main adjustment is they have to get LeBron James going. LeBron, um, talked about this being, I guess, a feel out game or, and how he's normally passive in game ones and tries to figure it out. But it just, it was odd, um, his lack of aggression tonight. Normally you expect LeBron just to like basically just try and take it into the post and do everything by himself. Um, and he never really just like, you never saw full, full tilt effort from LeBron James. And so I'd expect the Cavs that's, that's their main adjustment is to kind of just to try and get LeBron going. But I thought the Celtics did a very good job of keeping him in front of them, uh, being physical, like, like not really letting him, uh, get in any sort of rhythm, I thought Marcus Morris was uh, fantastic against him. And so the Celtics clearly have the personnel and a very good game plan against this team. Um, it's just for the Cavs. They're, I'm expecting a better game from LeBron James and them to make some more shots. So if something like the third quarter happens where you lose a quarter by 12, I don't expect the Celtics to be up by 26 again. That could end in a, that could be LeBron uh, leading a, a, a quarter for them to, to tie the game or take the lead. And so, I thought as much as that that quarter is problematic for the Celtics, the fact that they bounced back immediately with a 7-0 run um, shows you their kind of mental toughness. Um, and I think they turned that 7-0 run into an 18-4 run. Um, but they're really not focusing on uh, what, what has happened, more of trying to just play the next play better. And the Cavs did a – I mean, the Celtics did a, a wonderful job kind of answering that that punch from the Cavs and – I don't know. I, I expect a better uh, a better game from LeBron James and more more shot making from Cleveland. But it seems like there's there's many things to feel good about if you're a Celtics fan because they played just a, a, an amazing basketball game today and it feel it it just felt like they were better on on both ends of the court, which is not something you normally hear about the Celtics team. Normally, it's the Celtics team is like scraping by uh, with kind of close keeping it close and just winning on their defense alone. Tonight, they were dominant on both ends. Uh, I want to say that. An important coaching decision early on in this game. Marcus Morris picks up two early fouls, and Brad Stevens leaves him in. And he said after the game that 99% of the time he leans towards leaving a guy in because you know you don't want to break a person's rhythm. So he left him in, and he said if if he fouls out in the first quarter, somebody else is going to have to come out and play. But what ended up happening is Marcus Morris only gets one foul the rest of the game. He stays in. And that, I think, 
changes the entire dynamic of everything because if you take Morris out, like a lot of coaches might, then you you change your game plan right away. Right away that game plan changes, and then who knows if LeBron gets going. That that it's hard. You don't know what the alternative is because he made the choice to keep Marcus Morris in there. I thought that might have been the one of the most important decisions in this game. Yeah, it was huge, and uh, they did like uh, appropriate job focusing on that. I thought it was going to be a problem, and you think, I mean, that might be a problem moving forward as LeBron gets more aggressive because um, if Morris goes to the bench, that either forces the Celtics to go super small by bringing in Smart or um, bringing in Aaron Baines, and I thought Baines was all right tonight, uh, but there are some times where they tried to kind of counter – they put Tristan Thompson on Horford and they had love on Aaron Baines. We saw some Aaron Baines post-ups, which is not the offense we normally see. But so I thought Monroe, I not Monroe, Morris being able to stay in the game and just he was phenomenal the entire game. Um, he got, I think the, the kind of his, he just got into the rhythm of the game and his energy was better. And we saw him actually make shots, uh, which was uh, nice to see from Morris, but he was, it wasn't just that it was the hustle plays uh, talked about that the, the the run at the start of the fourth quarter uh, that started with him um, missing it or missing a shot, but then following his own shot to get a dunk, and then a hustle play just on kind of the forecheck uh, of a rebound that led to a Marcus uh, Smart three from the corner, which was hilarious because it was a Marcus Smart three, and those are always hilarious. Um, <laughs> I but laugh I thought, out loud every time, every time I he d- makes a three. I kind of do a Miss Krabappel. <laughs> <laughs> But I thought Mook was fantastic tonight uh, on both ends. And you're right, leaving him in, the, the, the confidence Stevens showed there um, was key because Mook was the better player than LeBron James in game one, which is uh, a, a statement I did not think I was going to be making. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. LeBron James, for those who haven't heard the full stat line, 15 points, 9 assists, which I always think is a killer. I'm surprised that they lost by this much with LeBron having 9 assists, but... Uh, but the just kind of happens with LeBron at this yeah. point. Yeah. The seven turnovers was huge. Don't he pass. played. He had some dumb passes. He yeah. just passed one. He just passed legitimately into the chest of Aaron Baines, which made no sense. Uh, but the Celtics, I thought, were playing great defense and getting their hands up and getting their t- deflections and getting their tips and passing lanes. And he just didn't look comfortable. Um, and the whole like reason for me picking Celtics <laughs> in seven in the series was just the natural fear of LeBron being LeBron in the playoffs. But if I mean, I don't imagine he's going to play like this again just because he's LeBron and he's kind of earned the the respect at this point, but he was bad. He was just downright bad. Yeah, I I don't know. He he can say it was a feel-out game, and he seemed very dismissive after That's the thing you say after you put up a really shitty game one. Yeah, yeah. But, but, uh, you know, he he did – it's not that he just played poorly. He looked like something was wrong. It Like, he looked – you know, this is where people say words like checked out or, you know, disengaged or whatever the word is that people use here. I don't know what it is. I can't, I'm not going to say that he was or wasn't. He, it didn't look right. He, like you said, some of those passes that he made were terrible. Uh, you know, he even traveled. They even called him for a travel. Like, which was shocking. That was unbelievable. But again, we, we're saying this a million times. I, I, I'm thinking we're trying to set this expectation for Tuesday night that this is not going to happen again, right? Like, he's not going to have this checked-out look again, is he? But then, 
there were games in the in the Pacers series where he had this kind of look, and I just it, this isn't the first time he's he's kind of looked this bad in in the playoffs. He, he put up better numbers. This is the worst statistically that he's performed on top of it. But there were I remember seeing the conversations during these games. Like he's just not he's not moving. He gives the ball up and he's not trying to move to get it back. And there was time where he thought he got fouled and just didn't run back on defense and it just led to a wide open Celtics. I think it was a three, but hopefully I'm just doing selective memory. But I remember him not getting back. Oh, yeah. And that just doesn't seem like playoff basketball. No, no. And and I don't know. It's hard to say because I'm not in his head. But it's it just felt weird. It felt weird. Like he he saw what the Celtics were doing. And if it's feeling out, then fine. It'd be interesting to see what the what his counter is, but I don't know. You'd, you'd think he would attack. Beyond that, uh, who was it? I, I tweeted it out. He had um, Ojale. He had Ojale switched onto him. Everybody from the Cavs had retreated to the left and right sides of the floor. The lane was wide open. The only person in the way was Ojale, and he didn't try to drive. I think um, somebody somebody came around on a, on a curl. Uh, maybe Jordan Clarkson came around and, and tried to curl and cut down the lane, and he tried to hit him for that shot. But it's like, now, yours LeBron James. This is Shemi Ojale. And I believe in Shemi Ojale's defense, but still, you you got to try to burn this guy, don't you? You're LeBron. Like, that's yeah, the situation to do that. He and he did it earlier at some point during the game. There was one play where he just absolutely like bodied Ojale, and uh, the war on Semi continued. And it just like like he like with a his off arm basically like threw Semi to the side. He has the ability to beat Semi one on one. He has the ability to beat pretty much anyone one on one. But it just wasn't it wasn't aggressive, and it wasn't like he was the, he still had the nine assists because he gets a lot of attention and he he passes off. But it didn't seem like he was even probing the the defense that much and looking to play make. Or go to the rim, or get the paint touches that we were talking about earlier. That's just not. Um, it was he was oddly passive, and it just a feel out game seems like a, a, a excuse at this point. Like the yeah. these Boston Celtics are the best defensive team in the league. They are a mentally tough team. They're not gonna like if they play the Cavs play the same way they did against the Pacers. I fully expect the Celtics with home court advantage uh, to be able to pull this uh, series out just because. They're not going to make the same mistakes as uh, the Indiana Pacers. They're so much better uh, in terms of execution and offensive firepower. They're not just relying on Oladipo. Or they have so much like that's the thing about the Celtics' offense is they have so many different guys who can go off. Uh, so I don't know if LeBron's going to play like this. I, like, I don't think they can. Aff- the Cavs can afford to have another performance like this and get down by two games just because their defense is not good. They don't guard anyone, and the Celtics at this point are very good at execution. And they're going to get points. And the fact that they're so kind of have such a diverse options from scoring mean means they, they can really use anyone to attack and get mismatches, whether it's Kyle Korver defending or George Hill, who I did not think had a good game, even though he's a close personal friend of the podcast. Um, I just I, I think the Celtics have an advantage here uh, um, just with the Cavs being so bad on defense, even if LeBron really, really locks it in and, and gets more aggressive. I still think the Celtics have a good defensive team. I think the one thing you worry about is is foul trouble um because they're not they're not the deepest team right now and so if the Celtics have to play deep into their bench that that's where you could see it being a problem but 
I don't know. The, the, the Cavs can turn it up, uh, but I still think their defense is super, is not, not great. And the, the Celtics defense is still going to be very good. So I don't know. You got to feel good, uh, moving into game two, but I don't know. Uh, even during that third quarter, there were still moments, especially when they cut it down in that stupid Jeff Green buzzer beater where you got a little bit nervous. Yeah. Because it's LeBron, and so that nervousness still exists, but you, and that's just there because of history, not because of uh, what we saw in this game one. Yeah, so th- the sustainable things, the repeatable things now moving forward, that Cavs defense, I don't, this is who they are. There's, this isn't, this wasn't like, oh, they played poorly. This is basically who they are. They don't defend, and they don't give second efforts. So if they do happen to, fall into a good defensive possession, which happens from time to time, there's a good chance that you can follow that up if if you're aggressive. And it takes effort, and so it's up to the Celtics to ed- take advantage of that. But this team, this Cavs team, is terrible defensively, especially out in the perimeter. Now, in the second half, LeBron James was basically laying in wait and trying to come over and block shots at the rim. So... It's going to be interesting to see. So the Celtics were driving with reckless abandon in the first half and scoring a ton of points. In the the second half, they're starting to drive, and LeBron's coming over to challenge these shots. And so, but he's at that point just ignoring his guy. So if LeBron is just going to kind of try to be playing back and and be a free safety of some sort, then he becomes a, a problem for the Cavs as well in that, if he's going to leave a guy, the Celtics can find that guy. And that that Cavaliers defense is so bad that there's no way that they're going to rotate back and, and really account for that person. So that, I think, is the next chess match for what the Celtics are going to do, what the Cavs are going to do. Uh, but that defense is going to be bad. So that that's going to be a constant throughout this series. What won't be sustainable, I think, is the... Cavs just got awful three-point shooting. I mean, they shot, uh, what was the total number here? Uh, oh, of six? No, that doesn't make sense at all. Uh, there were four of six for, four of 26 for the game, and those four didn't even come till the, till the second half. And I think the, the fourth one came when it was a blowout late. But you're, they, yeah, they just didn't hit any shots and they didn't, they didn't have the most quality looks, but there were definitely some open shots that they could have knocked down uh, early, but it wasn't, it wasn't like they were creating most wide open looks. Uh, LeBron didn't have the best shooting night. He was over five from deep. J.R. Smith was over three. Corver only hit one. So yeah, I, I would expect them to be, to shoot better and keep themselves in this game. There was a really wild point where it was, I think there was about two minutes left in the first quarter and the Cavs only had nine points. And that was just, uh, you expect that to change. But it's just how much can the can the Celtics limit the the huge scoring runs of the Cavaliers? Because I think the Celtics, with their defense, with their ability to create turnovers, if they can consistently get stops, they're going to be put themselves in a chance to win in every single game. Yeah, and, and then you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like Al Horford had an awesome game. Marcus Morris, you know, it, it's funny how how good the Celtics team can be when Marcus Morris is good, as opposed to what he was in much of that Philly series, but. That still leaves Tatum and Brown, and that kind of goes back to my point about LeBron. Who does he cover? And I asked that game. I asked it before the game on Twitter. People want. We all want to talk about who covers LeBron, but who does LeBron cover? Because 
he has to stick to somebody. If he's sticking to Tatum or if he's sticking to Jalen Brown, the other guy is going to get his his opportunities. And if you help off of Brown or Tatum, they're going to kill you. That that those two guys are good enough now. Like we, I think we can stop with the whole young thing. Like I, I'm not talking about how old Jason Tatum is anymore. Just he's only about. 19 though. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's we're past that. We're we're these guys are just really really good, and they are matchup nightmares for the Cavaliers because one of those two guys is going to have a clean run at either J.R. Smith or Kyle Korver or Kevin Love or George Hill. One of the and none of those guys are showing any ability to do anything defensively. So No, and Jalen and Jason are both shooting with confidence right now and especially shooting from three with confidence. I think we saw Tatum take more kind of off the dribble threes against mismatches tonight than it feels like we've seen him take in a while. And Jalen Brown is playing with tremendous confidence um, and really looking to attack guys uh, from the start of the game. He immediately got the tip and went left and he's gotten a lot better with his left hand, but you're right. Both of those guys are playing aggressive and there's, I don't know what the self or the, the, the Cavs best answer is on defense. I mean, they, I was told by Justin Rowan when I went on the, his podcast that Tristan Thompson was going to come in and dominate and Tristan Thompson didn't do much of that. And I tried to explain to them, I was very much thrown off by how Canadian he was. And so I didn't have my best arguments, but I was trying to explain to them that the Celtics would counter with Aaron Baines, which I thought they, they did well tonight. And that basically rendered, um, he wasn't that useful. He didn't dominate Al Horford just because Baines was on him and it really like clogged down the post. I thought the game kind of got, uh, pretty ugly when both Baines and Thompson were in there, but the Celtics kept winning because they didn't, this, the Cavs didn't have an answer on the perimeter. Uh, I don't know, like, who do they turn to to kind of bring in and be uh, that solid defensive team? Because if Kyle Korver's not making shots, he's not as bad as everyone, like, says he is on defense. He's like, people say he's bad because he's white. Uh, but he's not terrible, but he's not great. Like, he's not by no means like a plus defender. And if he's not making three pointers, he's generally a minus when he's on the floor. J.R. Smith, the same thing. So if these guys aren't making shots, they're basically hurting their team. So I don't know what the Cavs' answer is uh, on defense. I think they're they're really their only answer is we're going to need to sp- score thirty points a quarter and really just try to like win this game in the in the one twenties. Yeah, and I just don't know how they're going to do it. I just don't know how they're they're going to have to get super super hot. This Cel- I think the Celtics' defense is is too good. Although I mean certainly I'm not saying it's impossible, but and I will say we've we've mentioned it that they did miss a lot of open shots and there's going to be opportunity for Brad Stevens to show on the game film tomorrow or Monday that there were plenty of opportunities for the Cavaliers to hit some shots and and they just missed. Part of it is because J.R. Smith is just trash now, uh, but Kevin Love can hit those shots. Cal Corver can be better than one of five. Uh, so there are guys that will have opportunities. Rodney Hood might get a little bit more time, although there was a great moment during the game where he was playing well, and then he asked to come out of the game for for a sub, like just to get get uh, you know get a quick blow. And uh, they let into him. They, You're not allowed to be fatigued, Rodney Hood. It was it was hilarious. They're like, what? What are you? You're what? And yeah, so. 
he was actually decent off the dribble. Like he was the only one who could like could create his own shot. And so I don't know if the team really believes in him after he apparently well, the story was a little bit murky there on the broadcast of what actually happened. But no matter what, it didn't seem like he was ready to play in the in the blowout game um against the Raptors. So I don't know how much they really want to rely on Rodney Hood. And even if they put Rodney Hood in the game, it's not like Rodney Hood helps them on defense. No. So, all right, well, we'll we'll see. We'll see what game two brings. There's there's adjustments to be made by both teams. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe they try Thompson. They come out with Tristan Thompson and just try to get some easy putbacks or something like that. I don't know. Who knows? That's the thing is Tristan Thompson means Baines, which means a better Celtics defense. Right. It's just like more more clogging of the lane, no shooters around LeBron, and just more like people around the rim. So I don't even – that doesn't even feel like the answer to me uh, for the Cavaliers. Yeah. So I, mean, I basically went from being very, very cautious after the game and being like, oh, it's still LeBron. It's only one. They just took care of one at home. Is now it's like this, the Cavs have no chance. Yeah. <laughs> I've talked myself into a, a lather here. We do, we do tend to do that. Uh, we get excited. We're excitable boys. It's we, we <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, right we'll Stephen. see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, look, they, they the Cavs lost by twenty five, and they didn't even get a great statistical Terry Rozier game. So although he was, you know, he was good. Uh, he was better on defense, but not not the best Tito shooting performance. But he sometimes gets to the rim uh, in ways that just shouldn't seem possible. And I know I've been seeing it all year, but he seems so small out there compared to defenders. But he's really done a good job. I think it's just directly learning from Kyrie, but finishing around the rim and creating angles. Uh, so even though he didn't have the best performance tonight, there was just a couple of layups where I thought he really broke down the Cavs defense. So I expect him. That's a, that's a positive for the Celtics is that you would expect Tito to, to shoot way better than he did tonight. All right, let's get to these tweets before we wrap up this show. Uh, we ask you to send in the hashtag rain and Jays and rain and junk, the rain and Jays hashtag. Uh, let's start with juice Costello who uh, is one of our Aussie friends and early start in Australia, Australia this morning, but it was worth it. And it's a very touching picture of him. And I assume that is his son, but you know, it's a baby in his house. I think it's a safe assumption in a bird Jersey. It's awesome. And they're watching the game. This game started at five 30 in the morning in Australia. Like, I saw one of the tweets from one of our fans saying it's now two 30 I've been up all night. Do I try and get some sleep right now, or do I just try to ride out an all-nighter? Um, and I hope he rode out an all-nighter because that would be intense. But shout out to the Australian – shout out to all the international fans having to watch this at a crazy time because it was very easy for me to do this on a Sunday afternoon. But they, they're the true heroes. They really – they go above and beyond. This game is on at such weird times around the world. And, yeah, we get a little spoiled, but, uh, yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was fun. For, to, to see the, that, that photo uh let's see uh, at rife see jalen and jason dominating the playoffs is amazing to watch shout out to you jovian shadow live broadcast the pod so i can listen on the train to work and we got to figure that out we got to do maybe some like instagram live or something like that yeah the- you can you can connect those now so yeah. maybe we should do that i think we should probably do that and do that on like the locked on celtics instagram kind of use it for that just for just for part of it you know you guys get a little taste of the beginning of the show and then we can kind of, you know. During game two, I can show you all the people hammering away down at their cinder blocks, uh, creating all the noise at the construction site that is the TD Garden. Yeah, yeah. So people can see exactly what you're what you're dealing with. Uh, let's see. At R Emery eighty nine, both teams Celtics played before the half uh, had significantly better defenses. 
I don't know what adjustments the Cavs have to make other than hope the Celtics miss open shots. Kind of goes along with a lot of what we've been saying. Uh, Mauricio Green, uh, we need more offense than defense to win this game in the series. Uh, so, you know, I, it, it's an interesting take there. I think the, the Celtics are, are doing pretty well defensively. So I'm going to keep going with the defense thing. How about the rain and junk hashtag, which is the raining rain junk. Tremendously fun. Uh, this is so Friscosis guy had this quote tweet because uh, somebody at NEPD underscore Loiko. Brad Stevens has his team three wins away from the NBA finals. Anyone know what NBA coach of the year Dwayne Casey is doing right now? And the quote tweet is Googling what is Kaizen? <laughs> He should be, man. The, 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 the Raptors have not displayed uh, incremental progress or instrumental growth. And um, Brad Stevens' humility has been uh, fascinating because he hates all the credit he's deserving. Or Wow, that was a messed up <laughs> sentence. He does not think he deserves all the credit that he's getting. But I think it's part of a sneaky ploy to keep his uh, his players humble. So he's uh, – he knows he, he can get all this credit and won't let it go to his head, but he doesn't want his players getting too much of the credit because he wants them to stay just as humble as he is. Yeah. That was my that was my cockamamie theory when I was heard all the, the discussion <laughs> of it. I like And it. you know I'm good for a cockamamie theory or two, at least one per game. Absolutely. Uh at Mega Celts, Cavs announced their new starting point guard for game two, and it's the Roomba with a uh <laughs> Cavs jersey. If you guys haven't seen this the Saturday Night Live sketch Go ahead and Google the other Cavs. They have this whole this whole thing about the rest of the Cavaliers are just there to kind of get LeBron his coffee and park his car. And we start our our point guard is a Roomba, and it's pretty funny. So go go check that out. Uh, let's see. Uh, at Sandesh Dylan, Weird Celtics Twitter has made its way to the national media as Semi's combat muscles were being discussed and was dubbed the strongest player in the league by Jeff Van Gundy. Jeff is obsessed with Semi's combat muscles. Every single Celtics game that Jeff Van Gundy has done this year, he ends up talking about Semi's muscles. And it makes sense. The guy's got a thick and jacked frame. And so, um, I don't know. It's, it's constantly entertaining. I just need Jeff Van Gundy to say thick Jack frame in the next game. It's almost like he, he is like shouting this out and has his nose about Celtics Twitter. Um, but I don't think he does. I think he just is a man who appreciates another man's, uh, Adonis like body. That's. <laughs> and as one, as a man who appreciates Sammy's Adonis like body, uh, I, that's why Jeff Van Gundy's, uh, endlessly entertaining. Some people don't like Jeff Van Gundy. Or Mark Jackson, or the just generally this team. I'm normally a, a uh, I think a pretty good. I'm a fan of Jeff Van Gundy. He, he can go on rants about certain things, but I think that's just his personality, and I think he does a good job of uh, explaining the game. So I'm I'm generally pro JVG. Yeah, I'm, I like I like him too. Uh, at four zero three fifth three five one, Celtics are undefeated in playoff games when we have a Moose Baines backcourt combo to close out the fourth. It's just facts. That's that was a wild wild lineup to close out the fourth. <laughs> uh, the strongest of boys. That is literally the strong boys. What was it? Uh, uh, Yabu, Semi, um, Baines, Baines, Moose, and uh, Fab Nader. I mean, that's. I did not expect those guys to be in a playoff game, but though, like, you take out Ab Nader, who's not the he's not the smallest guy, but that's a that's some burly men out there. That's, that is. There's a lot of beef on the floor. Uh, you want to do a junk drawer? 
Sure. Um, the cult of Brad Stevens is really catching on. Uh, I saw some some well some this just gets wrapped into one, but the Raptors fans are so salty. Pre-game, they were rooting so heavy for the Cavs, and then both Cavs fans and Celtics fans and just general NBA fans just took it upon themselves to slander the Raptors during that first half. Um, and some, I think the, the host of Locked On Raptors was saying, I'd rather be have my team not show up to LeBron or when we play LeBron than be in a cult. And I took that as like the biggest compliment in the world because it meant the cult of Brad Stevens is finally catching on. And if you have people outside the cult criticizing the members of the cult, that only fuels success of the cult. Like that's a classic guy outside of the cult statement saying he doesn't want to be in the cult, but he's clearly jealous of the cult. And so I'm just glad that um, the church of Brad Stevens were always accepting new members, but the haters are just going to fuel us and uh, keep us moving forward. So uh, any Raptors fan that has uh, seen the errors of their ways, they're welcome to come on to, into the cult. They have to abandon uh, their Canadian residency, but that's just uh, rule one. Um, but other than that, I just welcome them, and it's uh, it's been real fun to slander them. I didn't think I was going to get Raptors slander in this postseason, but they've blessed us with their horrendous performance. And so it's been fun just kind of reminding them that they're, uh, they're real bad. Uh, Jason Tatum, I just want to bring it up again completely. He has – he when he closes out – he by, jumps for it completely and basically gave up two layups tonight. And it's just wildly entertaining to me to see him just sprinting at the three point line. Um, I don't, that, that, I don't, that's more of a reigning J observation, but, uh, it made the junk drawer. Uh, Horford, Tito Horford was in the crowd tonight and he looked amazing. Do you see that guy? He's a big, he's another big beefy dude. He spends time in the Ojale factory. He, I, I've, he definitely he's, does, he's but he also looks like he's, he looks like he's 35. Like yeah. he, he could get out there and give the the Celtics like 12 and 10 easily. The Horford skincare regimen. Uh, Anna said it on her podcast that it's just a uh, soap and water, but I don't know what they're doing. But they they all look amazing. <laughs> it's just good genetics, man. It's just good genes. Um, there was the the great gif of the old lady on the on the cell, on the floor waving the the scary Terry shirt in front of Tito's face. And he was just like, looked mildly annoyed by it, but like eventually had to acknowledge that it was pretty cool, but it was just an amazing gif. Uh, and Oh, the ad, there was numerous ads. I don't know if it was just on local TV here, but for uh, sports clips, which was a cool sporty, like way to get your haircut. And it just made me laugh. Don't go, you get your haircut at sports clips. You will not look good and you will not look cool. <laughs> And that's it for me. It was a, it was a sponsor, in which case we love him. Yeah, sports clips. Come on down. That's where I get my haircut, and I look both cool. <laughs> in the playoffs, my junk drawer trends to to slim down, just like the playoff rotation. It's just you got to focus in your my my whimsy is uh, more more channeled to uh, slandering the Raptors. Sure, sure. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm just looking on Twitter and just seeing a bunch of crazy things. People. People are doing a bunch of these like movie scenes where they put players' heads on. To, it's Bleacher Report just put something out. I... They're always doing that. People are doing uh, creating great posts. Uh, uh, there's what? one for the Avengers: Affinity Wars, and I finally saw that movie without any concept of what uh, anything in the Marvel universe was. Very confusing. They introduced about 25 different characters. I didn't know any of them. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're supposed to know who they are, and. Yeah, there's like they're trying to wrap up 19 different movies, and I think I had seen none of those movies. So, yeah. uh, very confusing movie. It's like picking up a book in like chapter 20 and going, "What the hell is this?" 
So. <laughs> That's exactly what I did, and now I judge all you nerds for liking that movie because I didn't. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, this is your Monday podcast. Uh, if you are not a subscriber, uh, I want to welcome you aboard. Thank you for checking us out. You should be a subscriber. Uh, go search for Lockdown Celtics wherever you get your podcast. If you are a subscriber, you have not rated us that five stars or given us a good review and shared that. I shared it. Uh, go go to iTunes. Do that now because that pushes us up our rankings, and uh, you know that helps us out a lot. All right, we're back for uh, much more for the rest of the week. But for now, go celebrate a 108-83 win over the Cavaliers. Thanks for listening. This has been the Locked On Celtics Podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.